<laughs> so uh, there are some of my students in this room right now, and they know that there's always a queer aspect to what I'm teaching. Yeah. Right. So um, I don't, I don't do it programmatically. I just can't do it any other way. And you shouldn't have to. Because we don't ask people who are straight to just leave their straightness at the door. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, the way you turn it around and say, you know, because, yeah. 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 But, but obviously, in some cases, it doesn't matter and it's not about you. But I would caution anyone to, to say there is such a thing as objectivity. Whatever we choose to discuss mm -hmm. or what we, we neglect is part of who we are. Yeah. Right. So there's no such thing as objectivity. Mm. Right. So it's influenced by by our interests and our interests are influenced by our identity. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I that's really very much you, you just quoted me what, yeah. what I, I really came yeah. to realize that mm. that being gay is my identity and at my core mm -hmm. rather than just uh, a component, an aspect of my being, right? So... Because uh, I have spoken to people who who are queer and they will say, when I go to a family event, so Christmas, uh, I don't know, christening, whatever, wedding, I can't bring my boyfriend or I can't bring my girlfriend with me. Or they say, just don't act so queer, just be straight. And that's just like, I see that as you can come if someone says it to me like yeah you can come but just don't be black you have to cut your heart out <laughs> yeah yeah why would you yeah. do that i mean if you're gonna have somebody but that's so it is so it's so hard for so many people still to this day to come out yeah you know mm -hmm. and i i i feel that it was in the 80s it was already much easier than it was in the 60s when it was still oh, illegal wow. to have a sexual to engage sexually and, and you know homosexuality mm. was acts were illegal so i feel it you know i benefited from that tremendously uh you know the 80s were also very experimental when it came to fashion you know uh, uh in in germany they had a line of um, male-oriented makeup, for instance, which I oh, enjoyed. Wow. Uh, it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, it was okay for men to wear eyeliner, mascara, mm. and all that. I, so I loved that. So I had all of that. Reminds me of the eighties bands. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I really benefited from, mm. from from all of that. But to this day, I know people, you know, have you know, commit suicide over you know, being, uh, you know, gay and being, feeling uh, or queer or, you know. So uh, I would never, you know, part of me wants to say, you have it so much easier, but that's just not where I should go, where we should go. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's always um, a challenging, uh, it's, it's more, in may, many cases, it's, yeah. it's just a big step to take. And you don't come out only once. You know, you come out over and over and over again. In this mm -hmm. exhibition, I'm coming out as not as an artist but you know, i've never done anything like that before and um so it's just you know you know just yeah. exploring who i am uh not as a vanity product pro mm -hmm. project but yeah. um you know just saying connect the dots be 
feel whole. I've told you about this this novel, the um, the Golden Notebook. You know, yes. where, where, where you get. Mm -hmm fragmented into I'm playing this role now I'm playing that role and I'm performing that you know you know I'm trying to bring together what it means to be an educator a curator um a, a, you know an individual mm. um somebody who's looking around and, and appreciating visual culture mm. and I wouldn't call it art it's not the point mm. right so but rather than saying um, well, you are the art history guy here. That's why I love curating because it's such a creative yeah. endeavor. And um, so this this whole fragmentation and self segregation is 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 really you know at the mm -hmm. core of what makes us what is unhealthy, really. Because it's exhausting. Yes. Yes. Knowing when you're going somewhere, which part of you you've got to leave at the door. Oh, yeah, I yeah. can't talk about that there. And oh, I can't. And oh, they're all talking about their partners, etc. But I can't mention mine. Yeah. And that's that's hard. That's not because um, there's always that part of you that just feels like it's missing. And then the your your other half has to deal with being um almost like erased for a few hours like they don't exist oh no i'm i'm single but actually you do have a partner but you can't talk about them because the people in the room can't handle the fact that oh my god there's a gay or queer person in the room and mm. you know when we say gay we we do include the the you know women trans everybody that's classed as the community but you know when i say the word queer for me it's an umbrella term for the whole community because it's, it's it's such a diverse group it's just massive mm. But being, but having to leave a part of that at the door is just, un, well, more than unfair. I don't even know. I just don't even know the word for that. Well, to me, it's impossible. It's a bit. It's an impossible ask, and it's an impossible task. Yeah. Right. Um, but I've always struggled with reconciling my persona to my personhood. Okay. You know, um, because even when I'm gay, I'm performing being gay, right? So, uh, and it's it's the hardest thing to work on is to become a person uh, rather mm. than being just a you know yeah. being you know uh, any number of personas, yeah. right? And the only way I can do that is by not performing you know, various personas and feel split in my identity. The funny right? thing is... I mean, Hybrid, I, yes, but not split. Yeah, because the funny thing is, when you think about, when you look at history, I mean, God, the queerness has been around for freaking centuries. I mean, centuries. It's just weird when you actually look at it and you just look at the details. And think, my it's God, always been there. It's always been there. Recently, they found... Um, this mural on the on the wall which dates back pre-14th century of like queer relationships male and female single gendered relationships and there's all these pictures that they they'd taken a photograph of i wish i'd written the details down for that to share but it was just this is going way way back and yet it's almost as if you know oh being gay being a homosexual only appeared at around the time of oscar wilde or just before that or you know and the christians came along and we were going to sort that out and it's like actually people have been around for years we, it's just ludicrous to think that you are in my mind i think okay uh whether you're male female whatever 
you then can only fall in love with 50% of the world. So I'm just breaking it down easy because remember I said my maths ain't that good at the beginning, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you can only fall in love with 50% of the world. Then you've got to half that again. So now it's only like 25%. I mean, how many times have we all seen somebody that's the same gender that we thought was pretty cute? And I know you're straight until you're not. Do you know what I mean? People do fall in love with people of the same gender. They are attracted to people of the same gender. What do you think people are afraid of with that? Do you think it's because of the narrative the church, etc., has put forward? Is it a system of trying to control certain groups? Like, actually, no, I don't feel this way in my body. Actually, I, I feel this. This is how I want to live. What is the need to control people's bodies and personas? What do you... What do you think? Well, I think to some extent xenophobia is built into our DNA. Yeah. You know, have a group that that you can trust. Uh, you know, animals do it. You know, and and the the outside is is the enemy, right? So to some extent, we just have to learn to overcome that instinct, yeah. right? Um, but I I I do think I'm I'm not religious. I'm not. You know, I do think the church has you know, has something to do with that, and I brought um, for for that reason I brought the Bible with me. I so, was afraid uh, when I saw him walking with <laughs> that. <laughs> but I tell you, uh, you can't you uh, you can't throw away a Bible. So I've been carrying that that with me. But it was given to me by a friend in the eighties, um, a female friend, a straight friend who gave this to me as a parting gift when I, I decided to move to New York. And uh, so I so, said, oh, that's odd, because we never talked religion. We never talked, uh, uh, you know, she was not church going as far as I knew. And I opened it up and it told me, basically uh, reminded me that I am living in lust and that I have to turn to God to live eternally. And she underlined passages reminding oh me what, honestly, I've never spoken to this. I have never spoken to this. Recently, this was, you know, a long time ago, obviously, um, you know, 30 something years ago, but contacted me via social media and I just could not bring myself to respond to her. She might, she said she has changed and she felt sorry about it. And maybe I should have said, but it really messed with me. I mean, it just says, okay, what an odd gift, you know, okay, Bible. And then I saw all these underlined passages, you know? So um, I, I think, and I don't know if we're good friends, but why bring this up as a parting shot, you yeah. know? Maybe she thought differently of me and was sort of not happy with me being, I don't know, but so whatever, whatever the reason, uh, certainly, uh, you know, the church has, uh, uh, you know, has yeah. a, a, plays a great part in this, and um, it, it is now in in, in this age, uh, is great gaining greater influence yeah. certainly in the U.S. and uh, a lot of rights that we we've gained achieved are under threat, and uh, so. I think my generation saw things moving forward and that was the fight. Mm. The future generations have to fight for the status quo not to erode, right? It's a very different kind of fight. And because of the status quo, you feel like, oh, I, we've achieved this. But you forget that you still have to mm. fight for the rights that are under threat. 
Yes, because you commented on a an episode of my podcast where I, I said some, I can't remember um, which one it was, but you, I had said something like, you know, um, so long as you stay within the boundaries of the law, yeah. etc. Yeah. And and you were, it was, I liked what you said, because actually well, you correct, you changed well, that. Well, you said, well, don't do anything, do, do, do what you need to, to be yourselves and, but don't, you know, don't do anything illegal. I said, well, a lot of pioneers had to do illegal things to mm. make legal what now is legal, but can be illegal again. Yeah. Right. So justice and legality are not the same thing. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so many people we, we, owe, we owe so much to because they did criminal acts. Uh, you know, our lives have been pathologized, mm -hmm. meaning we're, we were deemed sick or criminalized. And and so you have to, you know, you you have to, you know, fight uh, with any means possible yeah. to to and to to for 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 your existence for your life, right? So um, and I I don't I know, I'm I'm not very positive about you know where where we're heading because it is i mean the trans community is the huge target at the moment but there's always a target within the community that they seem to aim for but for some reason at the moment the trans community are definitely a, a big target i mean where yeah. where is some of this coming from i mean i don't know i just need somebody to explain it to me because i just do not understand why the targets it, it's almost like the goalpost always moves um, as a black woman, I know what that feels like. Mm. And then to watch and see um, groups being targeted like that is is horrific. I mean, I, I would say my, my worst experience was perhaps when I was 15. Um, I mean, there are many of them, but when I was 15, walking to school, we used to have to walk from John Mansfield School up to Peterborough Regional College because the girls had to do typing and the boys could do metal work. And that really did piss me <laughs> off. <laughs> it really did annoy me, but we had to do it anyway. And I, I still remember there was about uh, 18 of us girls walking down to Peterborough Regional College. And these group of guys were coming towards us. I would say they were between 18 and 25. I was the only black girl, only black person in the group. And they surrounded me and smashed bottles at my feet and I was in my school uniform and everybody else just dispersed and I was on my own. And so I know what that targeting feels like. I know what it feels like for, to, to it's almost like you're always hypervigilant mm. because you never know what situation you're gonna find yourself in. You really just don't know when you step out your door, mm. if you're queer, if you're on the margins of society, what you are going to face and unless you understand that it's difficult to try and explain it to people they cannot understand it because it's not their experience mm -hmm. and you know sometimes when i've had uh, um particularly uh white men say to me oh it's not a problem i'll say you don't see the problem because it's not your experience and they're like well there's no glass ceiling i say you don't see the glass ceiling because you're standing on it and then they'll stop and and think about it there well, it can be instructive for 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 those individuals to temporarily, whether on vacation, whether move to a country where mm -hmm. they don't know the language, where they don't where they really feel infantilized, and and, and so mm -hmm. you know just to get again a different perspective. Yeah, well, I'm the minority here right mm -hmm. now, right? So and and that's certainly what happened to me when I moved to New York. 
um, and studied in the Bronx and taught in the Bronx. And I wasn't the only white guy on the campus, but the campus was mostly Hispanic, uh, black and Asian. Right. So, yes, in a way, I chose to mix in that community, enter that community. You know, I, I wasn't born into it, but um, I, I always, you know, knew what it meant to be, you know, on the outside. Yeah. And um, and and empathy is something that is very important. You know, I'm not saying I'm the same as you are and I'm not saying oh I know exactly what you're going through but you have a perspective saying I can imagine uh, without equating your experience with that of anybody else that is going too far right so but you said I, I, I can imagine and then be careful in voicing that because that can be very offensive. Because you, you say you have no idea what what I was going through. Yeah, because you, know? you had a hard time in the Bronx, didn't you? You were trying to connect at one point with members of the Black and Brown community, and they just really were not accepting you. Oh well, it, it was just going on the subway. Well, it was during the Rodney King trial. It was a very tense, tense racial you know, uh, divide in the in the 90s, you know, and when I traveled by subway and I was cleaning apartments at the time, I was not privileged. I come from a working class family uh, and I didn't have any parental support for anything. So, you know, I traveled by subway to uh, to school or to um, and, and people would say, you know, black people would say, uh, you know, you know, there's no space. Take your car. You know, I mean, I said, I don't have a car, but I was perceived as being in the majority uh, and, and being the privileged and entitled mm -hmm. white person. And that was very painful. You know, I, I could not, I, did, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure how to articulate that. But I, if I had told them, I know why you're saying that, I know that you feel under, you know, uh, you know, not recognized or whatever, because I'm gay, they, they, I felt that would, that would probably punched me in the face, you know. Mm. So, um, you know, I, that's again, there were minorities, you know, fighting against each other. Yeah. Right. So, and I, when I say I'm, I'm identifying as gay, I really need to point out that early in my life, in puberty, um, I was identifying as, I identified as female. Mm. So, uh, in high school, fellow students called me the battle of the sexes. Uh, I didn't enjoy that, I embraced that, and I always mingled with the girls. I went to Paris with seven girls. My father was so proud, he had just no idea. <laughs> he thought I was the ladies' man. <laughs> I was just the lady. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, but it, it, was, it was difficult for me, and I can imagine growing up now that I might be trans, yeah. you know, uh, but I would never, I, I, I have no advice for, for anyone who is trans, so who wants to, uh, you know, uh, be non-binary or whatever. Mm -hmm. you, you have to have your own journey, obviously, but I, I, to this day, I continue to define what it means to be male. Yeah. Right, and we have been asked by the university to to uh, to to state our preferred pronoun. And I said, I can't say I can't say that. If I say he, it sounds like a male chauvinist. I can't do it. You know how hard that is for me to be recognized <laughs> as he. This is a struggle I go through every time. You know, uh, every day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a constant negotiation. You know, 
um, ask me, you know, to be a good person. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just difficult to to be perceived as 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 male, and and the assumption is that, well, that was never questioned or whatever. Yeah. So you know, I I really I I I, I think I would. I would be female given mm. the opportunity now, but I'm kind of glad that you know I struggled through that mm -hmm. because, as I said before, in the start of our conversation, is I always assumed as a young, as a boy, really, uh, you know, 19, uh, you know, I would just being male then meant being really my, my penis didn't matter, but yeah. it just you know that part of my body was not asked for really uh but uh, you know i had to make myself available in a certain way and um and 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 i when i started bleeding as a result of that life and that bleeding continues to this day mm -hmm. um you know i went to a doctor and then he said well you might be a hermaphrodite i said what i mean completely you know uh, missing that. He's not image. connected, is he? No, He's not no, no. <laughs> uh, well, I've been called, you know, different things. I mean, it's just that was just really weird. And he wrote a report uh, that he shared then with another doctor who requested it from him because I had these bleeding. You know, I was yeah. bleeding all the time. I said, I, this, I can't live like that. Every time I go to the bathroom, I can't, yeah. I can't to the toilet. I can't lose this much blood. And so years later, I went and she, she looked at the report and it threw me out of her office, you know. First, she was very, you know, helpful and said, so, oh, we get this sorted out. And, and then she, I don't know what, to this day what the doctor wrote in this report, right? And then I went to a, to a gay community center in Cologne. I said, what doctor would I even approach? Uh, do you have a list of, of doctors that we can trust with something like this? And to this day, I think they gave me the name from the wrong list of the doctors that you cannot trust, because this person was really bizarre. He, he, he was recording, opening the door and said, this is a gay individual, there's problems with, as if he were a psychoanalyst or something like that. And then he was very upset when I said, uh, can I travel uh, to New York uh, with this condition? Because I had an operation yeah. then and, and he wouldn't hear about it because probably he felt that I was supposed to fall in love with him or have sex oh, with him. God. It was really, really hmm. strange. So, um, but I just brought up, I needed to bring up that even you know, gay and male were things that I had to to negotiate yeah. and, and 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 you know work on for yeah. the for my you know throughout my life. Yes, it was something I was going to ask you about because some people don't like to have the uh, be like male or female etc. It really they they don't really want to either connect with that or they can't connect with that. Is that do you feel that that those two terms in particular is another way of, another form of segregation. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's male or female. Do oh, we definitely. need to be definitely. categorized like I tell that? you, um, I w in Aberystwyth, we have a nice library and I went to get a library card when the library opened and they asked me male or female, I walked out. That's none of your business. I could not bring, to this day, I don't have a library card because I refuse to give oh, out this God. information. Like, this, why are you asking me that? 
right? It's just not, there were other questions. My birthday, nobody will ever pry that out of me. <laughs> but you know, it's just, this is not relevant. You have, can have my address so you can retrieve the book if necessary, right? Yeah. But don't ask me for my gender. Yeah. When, you know, uh, you know, I was uh, before I got married. I had to, ha had to put single on the on all forms, and I said, "This is just I am just not single. Can you give me other, yeah. other meaningful relationship?" Yeah. It just I I can't have these yeah. categories. Mm. I, I'm not dealing with. I've lost a lot of opportunities, like <laughs> you know, applying for prizes and awards because I can't fill out these forms. You know, so that's. It's that segregation, that kind of classification, fitting into a box by filling out boxes. I, 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 I can't, I can't do that. It is, it's funny. And I work in the health insurance. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was not, I, I was not very good at my job. <laughs> I threw away everything that I couldn't deal with. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because even down to which side your shirt opens up, the fact that things are called, uh, you've got purses but even when you look on your phones it's called a wallet um you know all these little just little things that you don't even think about they're instantly masculine but then they have sometimes undertones of feminine but it's mainly masculine but then it's feminine and there's no room for anybody that's in between and that's how you end up othering other people well you've got to be male or female you've got to be one well why do i have to be why do I need to be one of the, what, how does that benefit you? How does that benefit society? Does that make you feel safer if I say I'm female or I'm male? It just is a nightmare for people who do struggle with those particular forms of categorization. And it is about putting people into boxes. And if you don't fit into those boxes, you might, then... you might end up in a box. Yeah. Yes. So, um, it's it, it can be really challenging to perform what is expected of you and 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 then speak up and 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 say why i can't perform that for you i can't be that for you i i uh, why can't can't i be other and that other be recognized as yeah. equally valid and valued I think that's quite something that you have stuck your ground to the point where you're like, well, I'm, I won't be doing that then. If I have to say, I belong in this box, the box that you want me to tick. Yeah. I think that's quite something to be determined to not actually do that. But the next thing would be if I were really a, a meaningful activist, I would protest against that and get that form changed. Yeah. I haven't done that. So, say, you know, being now deprived of certain privileges that I would have enjoyed had I been to say, oh, forget about it, I've filled this form in. That's one, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's not very useful either. So the next step should be to contest that mm. and, and, say, and protest and say, this form needs to be revised and I'm not yeah. putting up with it. And to be honest, that's just not what I have done. But um, I hope yeah. pe more people will do that. Certainly would sign a campaign, uh, you know, a, a letter to, to that effect, but yeah. I haven't initiated anything like yeah. that. Because society is, there is a lot about society that has changed. Um, it does feel like, I don't know, it does feel like there's somebody coming out, especially somebody famous, 
uh, feels like somebody's coming out every week. And I do wonder, I think we, when we had that conversation in your office, I told you about a, a gentleman that I interviewed, an older guy, and he said when he came out, it was illegal and there was a lot of gay bashing going on. Mm -hmm. And him and his friends used to have to go out the back of the club to avoid the gangs that were at mm -hmm. the front of these queer clubs. Mm -hmm. And he said he wondered how many people now would be queer if it was illegal again. Is it now just a fashion trend? Oh, I'm, I'm queer. Everybody just seems to be queer in some way. Is it, do you think that society is getting better? Because I know earlier you said things are, do seem to be regressing. Mm -hmm. Where do you think things are getting better and where do you feel that we need to improve, um, not just as the individuals, but as a society to make, to help make life better for, for everybody? Because I think there's nothing better than diversity, but that is the thing that people don't like. And yet we almost forget that our society is the way it is because there's so much diversity, not just from different races, but different forms of art and writings and the way we see life, people's perspective, and the way they see things. You know, we learn so much. You know, how do you feel that we can do better as a society, as individuals? Well, certainly I think there's greater visibility Mm. for queer people now due to social media and um, also you know the, the 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 pink pound or the pink dollar uh, so money talks as mm. well yeah. and that is not progress but it's a real reality as well so I think uh, we do enjoy greater uh, inclusivity yeah. uh, inclusion as a result of that um, it's but I, I do think that's under, you know, uh, our rights are mm. under threat and we should never underestimate that threat and we should continue. We need to continue to fight. That's one of the things, that, an issue I have with, with pride parades. They are a celebration, but they came out of protest and it needs to remain a protest. It is a day for cheering, for partying, all of that. But we should not forget the politics and what needs to be done. Because you went to, you did a march in the Christopher Street Parade. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I would have loved yeah. to have seen you there. <laughs> well, I have pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, um, I, I did, but I didn't, I just walked along with, with, with a group. You know, Sorry, I, I, could you tell everybody, because I've just said that assuming that everybody knows what the Christopher Street Parade is about. Can you? Well, it's the orig origins of the, yeah. the, the so-called Gay Pride Parade. Now it's called Pride Parade because that gay handle is a problem. But some traditionalists would insist that it is a gay pride parade. But gay now is more inclusive and means mm. other things. Right. Yeah. So and, you know, it started as uh, out as, you know, after the, the Stonewall riots in, in late 60s. And uh, it's, you know, then it, it moved all over your it moved throughout the world. You know, the many, many, many countries now have these parades. And uh, and it's it's certainly it's a day for celebration. Uh, but it should also be um, a, a day of, of protest and remain that, right? So, and uh, some of that has become quite corporate now that people are cashing in on that event and then you question their, their, their motivations for doing, mm. for, for investing in those events. So, 
that I think we should be yeah. mindful of. Because but the pride parade. I'm not a party pooper. Go, you know, <laughs> but uh, you remember that that where that came from, and yes. remember it's a fight. Um, yeah. Because when I was in that parade, people were still dying by the thousands, for instance. So that visibility was very important, and I just added one more body to that. Yeah. There was just no. I had no accomplishment whatsoever, uh, you know, but um, it, yeah. Because that was with the, there was the trans groups that did that, black trans people that started the first parade and the, there was a lot of street children, that, um, queer street kids who had been thrown out from their homes that also started that. And I think a lot of people don't realize that um, this is where the pride parade really started, particularly with the, the trans community. Mm. And it was a big event. I, 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 I know that, you know, I, to this day, when I travel to New York and get, go to my favorite place, I still dance in the same place I started dancing. It's called The Monster. Uh, the first time I went into The Monster in 85, I started dancing. Uh, there and I'm still dancing there on Wonderful. Tuesdays. So, uh, <laughs> um, not this Tuesday. <laughs> next Tuesday. I was going to go and watch. Get my camera next, out. So it's, 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 it's great, and you know, uh, so there's continuation mm. there as well. Yeah. But um, it's certainly a very much a changed community as well, or environment as well, and a lot of the places. Uh, have disappeared and very few new places are opening up, mm. right? Um, that's probably, you know, aligned with the general dying of pubs and that kind of going out there and mingling and mm. now it's just bringing people to your home or doing it, you know, online, right? So, um, but it's, it's, um, it's still... you know, uh, some kind of homecoming to me yeah. when I go to those places. And it's just, it's, it's, it's fabulous, right? Yeah. So, um, and as you go, grow older, there, is, there are other challenges. Ageism is an enormous challenge in our society, I think, yeah. because that still unites us all. We're just scared of getting older. We're scared of, of, of dying and, and, and our bodies falling apart. That's, you know, everybody is, and we sort of try to laugh it off. Mm -hmm. And then we really tend to ridicule or diminish those who are closer to that stage than we are, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I've, always, I've, I've always been interested in, in people older than me, because I've been through, you know, all that, but what's ahead? And I was always, you know, I was much, much closer to, to people uh, who are, and there's still people around that are older than me. <laughs> Even by 40 years, <laughs> it's possible, humanly. Um, so, you know, and I was, I was, you know, really, you know, that's, that's another challenge that, yeah. that we definitely face uh, and need to, need to address. Um, and, you know, gays of a previous generation who might not have formed families are very isolated um, and and you know have no no support um and and they, they need they need mm. our support as well yeah absolutely because right? that is a, like an extra whammy isn't it you not only are you alone particularly if you lost your partner during the aids crisis society itself is saying well we can't accept you either so you really are in a no man's land so yeah. to speak yeah yeah it's a tough yeah. Time. Yeah.